0: It is Wednesday, February 28th and happy what would be the last day of Feb on any other year. But of course, this year's a leap year, so it's not. Kia ora, this is Newsable, I'm Imogen, and this is What's Worth Talking About. Another day, another OCR announcement. Stuff's Money Editor is in with her predictions for what we may see later today. Why, and Aussie human rights advocates on our shores fighting for better modern slavery legislation. Has fast fashion ruined second-hand shopping? And are our charity shops filled with poor quality items instead of vintage gems? Plus, the supposed secret to a long-lasting marriage that I reckon is on the money. All that's coming up in a moment here on Newsable.
1: Newsable takes time and resources to produce. Please support our mahi and visit stuff.co.nz support.
0: It's the nail-biting time again when the Reserve Bank reveals its official cash rate and whether it'll go up again or stay on hold. Banks have gone from optimism about interest rate declines to predictions about new rises this year due to inflation hanging around longer than expected. So, to try and read the tea leaves, we're joined by Stuff's Money editor Susan Edmonds. Kia ora, Susan. Nice to see you. Hello. You've been speaking to economists ahead of today's announcement early this afternoon. Is there a consensus over whether there will be
1: a rise or not? Well, sort of. Most economists think that the rate will stay at 5.5%, but ANZ is sort of the outlier saying that it thinks that there will be a 25 basis point increase today and then again in April.
0: What plays into the Reserve Bank's thinking when it comes to setting the OCR?
1: Well, basically, the Reserve Bank is just trying to get inflation back down to about 2%. And so some of the data that's come out lately maybe indicates that it's not coming down quite as fast as maybe it had hoped. You know, we had quite strong labour market data and the local inflation that the Reserve Bank can actually influence is proving quite sticky. So, yeah, it does have more work to do. And so the, the, the difference of opinion is whether it can do that by staying at that 5.5% for quite a while we don't all roll off immediately. So that effect is still being felt in some places. Or whether we need that kind of hike, sharp hike, shock, and then we'll bring it under control more quickly.
0: Is it unusual that we've got one bank predicting a rise compared to everyone else saying it'll
1: just hold? In some ways, but also ANZ is saying if it does do those hikes, it will be able to cut more quickly. So we sort of all end up at the same place. It's just how we get there.
0: Some banks have cut interest rates. Will today's announcement be seen pretty quickly, one way or another, in the cost of borrowing?
1: Well, it's interesting because lots of things go into the cost of borrowing. Um, In some ways, if the Reserve Bank doesn't look like it's going to talk tough any further, maybe that would allow the markets to relax a little bit because we did have cuts priced in from the middle of the year in November when the Reserve Bank was still saying sort of all the same things. But um, if it does indicate that it is pretty willing to hike more maybe that will push back against that kind of market sentiment. It'll be interesting to see. I think some of what's happening also is a reflection of the wholesale rate result that we've already had, which was before Christmas. And some of it is that competition just hoping for a bit of the market, I suppose.
0: We know how deep the cost of living is biting for many. If there is a rise today, what effect could that have?
1: I asked a few people that this week and they sort of said it could even be a bit muted because um the markets might decide that the Reserve Bank had actually done too much and so it would need to rewind more quickly. So the markets tend to be really forward looking and they try and pick what's going to happen in the future. So if we decide, no, the Reserve Bank's made a mistake, the rate's gone too high, it could be that the market just kind of ignores it maybe.
0: Is there anything else people should know about today and what to expect?
1: Um, I think overall, basically we are near the peak interest rates if we're not there now and so I think Eventually, we will start to see them come down. It's just a matter of when, I suppose. And most people are sort of saying maybe later this year, early next. So there is some relief coming. I mean, it's just how long we have to wait. That
0: is the question of the hour, isn't it? Stuff's Money Editor Susan Edmonds, thank you so much for taking the time to chat talking fast fashion and op shops later with the Salvation Army. But before we get there, I do want to know what you think. Is fast fashion ruining charity shopping, op shopping, second-hand shopping, whatever you want to call it? If I think about it just for myself, I used to love visiting an op shop. And if I saw one, I had to go in. I could not walk past. I'd pull the car over. In we go. But these days, I'm not that into it. And when I think about it, It's because I don't find any of those wonderful gems anymore. I just don't love what they've got. Anyway, we'll have a poll on the NZ Stuff Instagram. Get your vote in. And remember, you can always email us as well, newsable at stuff.co.nz. Recently, we talked about modern slavery on the podcast, how it was the one issue Prime Minister Christopher Luxon said he would march in the streets for, and that there were questions over whether or not the coalition government would commit to stronger laws to put protections in place against it. And now, a new report from the Public Service Commission looking into work visas and migrant exploitation here in New Zealand has found staff felt their concerns were ignored, were not taken seriously... And or was swept under the carpet. Advocates say change is needed now. And one of those advocates is Australian Grace Forrest, who has been in New Zealand meeting with business leaders to get our legislation updated. And Grace is with us now. Kia
2: ora. Kia ora. Thank you for having me. How have those conversations gone? The conversation's been great. Um, you know, Walkfree's been working um, in New Zealand now for four years on a legislative process of New Zealand introducing something similar as Australia's Modern Slavery Act. And it's been a really incredible process. It's been hugely supported from big and small business from the start. And in that journey, we've had massive civil society support and frontline support, as well as big investor, global investor support saying, we want human rights due diligence laws for New Zealand. Obviously, with this change in government and their 100-day plan, this legislation didn't make it into it. So we were here to try and ensure that it makes it onto the 101st day plan and what I can tell you is it remains absolutely a priority for New Zealand business, investors and civil society actors. For those who might not be familiar, can you just uh, quickly explain what Walk Free is? Yes. So Walk Free is an international human rights group focused on the eradication of modern slavery in all its forms. And perhaps it's useful for me to define modern slavery as well. Well, that is one of my questions (laughs) for you, because I don't think people quite grasp what it is, right? Yes. And it's an umbrella term that describes Mm -hmm. a number of highly exploitative practices, including forced labour, forced marriage, human trafficking trafficking debt bondage and state-imposed forced labour. And what all of these abuses have in common is one human being being exploited by another, by a company for personal or financial gain, a situation that a person cannot refuse or leave. And the reality is that despite the fact modern slavery is technically illegal in the world throughout, there are some 50 million people living in modern slavery in the world today, and it would probably shock some of our listeners today to hear that modern slavery is occurring not only in New Zealand's transnational supply chains but also on its shores. Mm. So what does that look like? So we're looking at instances of both forced labour and forced marriage here in New Zealand and the last Global Slavery Index, which is the world's leading data set on measuring and understanding modern slavery, which we produce, found that on top of the 50 million people living in modern slavery globally, that G20 countries, the world's most powerful, were responsible for a huge amount of it. And for New Zealand, that looks like some 8,000 people living in various forms of modern slavery in industries such as horticulture, agriculture, terriculture, dairy, construction. Mm. What is it about New Zealand's laws then that aren't up to scratch? How are we still having things like this happen? So New Zealand doesn't have specific laws on modern slavery and that's really why we were invited to come and, and work alongside your amazing you know, leaders here to introduce. So we don't have specific laws around a modern slavery act looking into their supply chains or, more importantly, human rights due diligence that requires businesses to know and show the instances of vulnerability in their supply chain. So you do have strong labour laws in New Zealand. And you know when these abuses have been found, there are strong mechanisms to protect people. But what if a business doesn't want to produce in New Zealand? Do those workers of New Zealand businesses offshore deserve fundamental basic human rights? I don't think that's an argument that we've had once here. People are in consensus. They agree. They don't want to be buying things that are used using forced or child labour. And that's why We need legislation, frankly, that just would bring New Zealand up to a baseline international standard to ensure these labour abuses aren't occurring in transnational supply chains, as well as looking at how migrant workers are legally protected in this country and really having a a more serious conversation around how we um, address and mitigate instances of modern slavery where they occur. Because what we're seeing trending globally is that modern slavery is on the rise, Uh, which is really concerning because alongside this increasing vulnerability, so there were 10 million more people living in modern slavery between 2018 and 2023, we're seeing the political will not match that. Definitely so much food for thought there, Grace Forrest, human
0: rights advocate. Thank you very much for taking the time to chat. Thank you for having me.
3: I think
2: you're conflating a whole bunch of issues.
1: You don't want to be held to
2: account what, no, on I, what,
1: rising child no, abuse numbers. You can manipulate crime statistics. No, I promised I wouldn't have a you that got to
2: into the National Party's attack line there. I think It would be a resignation offence if I didn't deliver tax reduction. Yeah, yeah I'm not worried about it at all. That's Nothing if in there, on. that sits with you perfectly fine. That's what,
1: that's
2: what we're focused on.
1: Whatever happens in politics, the weird, the wonderful, the important, the thought-provoking, we got you. Listen to Tova wherever you get your podcasts.
0: I have got, apparently, the secret to a long-lasting marriage. That's coming up shortly. I'm such a tease. But hey, remember, if you're enjoying what you're hearing, chuck us a like and a follow on your favourite podcast platform because it'll help other people find us. And then they too will know the secret. Alleged secret. Op shops, charity shops, second-hand shops, whatever you want to call them, have long been places where if you invest enough time and energy, you'll find some absolute gems. I'm talking vintage clothes, crystal glasses, beautiful old wooden furniture, but... We know we're living in a time where, at the click of a button, we can buy anything and everything. I'm, of course, referring to fast fashion and websites or stores selling knockoff items or cheaply made items. So, with so many clothes and goods not made to last, what is the flow on effect to our op shops? Gareth Marshall is the Salvation Army's National Family Stores Manager and is here to talk more on this. Gareth, welcome. I'm just going to put it bluntly is fast fashion ruining op shops?
3: Yeah, I've, you know, I've been working working at the Salvation Army family stores off and on now since 1992. Um, so I've been around a while. Um, and and to be honest, fast fashion's been around as long as I've been around. So yeah, back in the 90s when I first started, yeah, it's something that we predicted would happen. Is that you know when you can't buy decent quality goods new, um, well then that's going to have a flowing effect. But the reality of it is. You can still buy some good quality and, and you know, we live in a country where, be it right or wrong, there is a huge wealth gap. Um, so we still have a number of donors that can still afford to buy good quality goods that continue to donate to us, which we're very grateful for. And we definitely see our share of, of goods that are Designed to not last more than a couple of seasons, or when it comes to finisher, designed to last a move.
0: So there's not been any increase at all in the amount of poor quality items. It it sounds it's amazing considering how easy it is to get your hands on them these days, right?
3: I've got no data to say it hasn't got any worse, but my qualitative sort of thing is that we've always had a, a good amount of things that aren't sellable, or may be usable but aren't sellable there's definitely more stuff there that, that we get that isn't designed Yeah, know the, the two dollar shop stuff that looks good but isn't of the same quality but yeah it's, it's just the world we live in and and it has been yeah it's been around for a long time this this has been happening in new zealand since the late 80s early 90s yeah the quality stuff is probably yeah it's more of a find now um but that's what keeps people coming back to op shops because it's still there
0: Exactly, and do you still want people donating those kind of lower quality items because of course it's not just, people aren't just going to secondhand shops or charity shops or op shops to find those vintage gems that I referred to, some people use those shops because that is all they can yeah, afford.
3: It, where we stand, I can only talk for the Salvation Army, um, I can't talk for the other op shops or charities um, we're still happy to receive everything because um, that's what we have, our, our staff and our, our workers and our volunteers you know, that's, we're putting a lot of effort to to find find those gems and get them into the store. Overall, as humans, we're quite lazy. Mm. You know, we're prepared to do the work because we find that people aren't prepared to do the work at home. And then, you know, they have every good intention. Don't hear me wrong. To sort out the good and the bad, but more often than not, you put it all in a bag and you just you just want to pass it on because you got some new stuff.
0: How can we ensure that op shops are always going to be a place where you can find something wonderful and brilliant?
3: Keep donating your stuff to us, really, and um, yeah, we're, we're working hard. It's it's, ch- it's a challenging environment, but all retails a challenging environment at the moment. I think op shops are probably fearing the best out of out of a lot of other other retail stuff. We're making sure we're around for the long haul. We're putting good things in place. We, we're continuing to look at our business model to to ensure that we can have the right staff to be able to continue to to rummage through and, and make sure our 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 stores are filled with great. Donations um, and great finds and great steals for for our customers to come and find.
0: Gareth Marshall from the Sally's, get out there and donate your quality goods.
3: Yeah, we don't care if they're quality, just donate your goods to us. Love to receive them.
0: A Welsh couple who've been married for more than 60 years have revealed their secret to their long and happy marriage. And no, it's not remaining affectionate. They didn't say it was good communication or compromises either. Josephine, who's 90, says it's because her husband, Aubrey, who's 91, knows how to barbecue and how to make an exceptionally good gin and tonic. Simple as that, folks. As long as one of you knows your way around a barbie and how to make a cracking G&T, it looks like you'll be all right. That is Newsable for today. I'm Imogen Wells, and I think I need to fill up my gas canister. If you like this podcast please support our work visit stuff.co.nz/support if you don't have time to read the in-depth stories or you just prefer to listen instead the long read from stuff is the podcast for you each week we showcase one of our excellent pieces of journalism telling important or entertaining stories from the world of crime sport history culture and more you also get to hear from the journalists themselves about how they uncovered the story and how it came to life. So for your weekly dose of long-form journalism, beautifully read, subscribe to The Long Read From Stuff wherever you get your podcasts.